welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed classic, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Brett Stillo of Five Minutes of Trouble and Five Minutes of Bonsai and Five Minutes of This and Five Minutes of That and the soon-to-be-released Five Minutes of Peas. <laughs> and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Mr. Josh Horowitz. Hello, Brett. Always a pleasure to podcast with you. Thank you. I, I feel the same. I, you know what I feel like doing? I'm inspired. I feel like shelling some peas. Oh, like peas in a pod? Peas in a pod. Podcasting? Any Look at that. Yeah, podcasting. Oh, my goodness. Any, any euphemism, metaphor, or whatever you want to use. It all works in this episode. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, this one hasn't, this episode, here we are in one minute, 132. We're calling this one Shelling Peas. Yes. If you don't know why this episode is called that, I'm deeply ashamed of you but <laughs> here we are in minute 132 which starts with sergeant al's amazement at homer's piano virtuosity yes and the fact that i said virtuosity <laughs> and ends with a mopey peggy not penny shelling guess what peas yes penny or peggy yes peggy peggy <laughs> penny paradox but that's another movie uh, uh so, yeah, so um, we, as 132 begins, uh, we still have that magnificent wide shot that I was so excited about. Mm -hmm. Thanks to, ahem, Greg Toland. Toland, yes. Toland, Greg Toland. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, we see Fred walking out rather dejected. Well, he hangs up, mm -hmm. uh, but he notices he's rather stoop-shouldered. Yeah. He, he, looks, uh, he looks like a beaten man. Oh, well, but, but I have to do a, a shout out here because some material for this episode uh, comes courtesy of Tom Taylor of the Indiana Jones Minute, who actually called this moment out on Butch's Place, which is the, uh, the Facebook group where you can comment about all these episodes, uh, where he mentioned that, uh, that we have Homer basically saying the obvious, saying, hey, that was Fred. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I responded with, uh, come on, Bonnie. But no, that, that was... Yeah, you, know, you got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, he, he does sound a little like Mel Blanc when he says that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Fred. That's, yeah, there is a it's, it's that high-pitched kind of, that was Fred. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I hear it. Yeah, but then Jim O'Kane actually uh, came up with a, a good reference there, likening the moment to Captain Obvious or Rick <laughs> Ollier in The Phantom Menace, who mentions how Coruscant is one big city. <laughs> yeah, all, all the movies they all connect somehow yeah yeah exactly it's 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 six degrees of separation <laughs> um and i think kevin bacon makes a cameo and so at some point in here but uh <laughs> you know what you know what though uh i've been sitting here at the bar uh watching the guys play chopsticks i'm, I'm yes. gonna play the devil's advocate here. oh yeah okay yeah like i hear what tom is saying and i i hear what jim is saying but you know what i i i kind of think here if you listen to russell's delivery mm -hmm. of that line it you know it's it, there's some emotion there you know because again you know we see fred exit in defeat and he doesn't turn around you know homer's calling his name mm. and you know i, I think it's also important you know, in this relationship of these three veterans, you know, Homer is the kid. Right. He's, there is a, 
a, a childlike aspect to Homer. Hmm. You know, he's he's a veteran. He's you know, he's got out a of high school, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there is when you compare him to Fred and Al, there is, you know, he does seem like he's yeah, still a te- maybe he is still a teenager. Even I doubt if Harold Russell was. But anyway, hmm. uh, so when he turns around, you know, I mean, Fred just ignores him. I think he's his feelings are hurt. Huh. So when he turns and he says to to Al, you know, you know, that was Fred. You know, I'm like, what, what, why didn't he? What's wrong? You know, and then he he follows up with, do you think something's wrong? Yeah, you interesting. Know, I, I feel, yeah, I feel like, again, I hear what Tom's saying and, and Jim is saying, uh, but I think there's, it's, uh, it's the emotion in Harold Russell's voice. Yeah. That he's, what's going on? Why didn't he say hi? Yeah, he was spending all that time practicing chopsticks for weeks, and he didn't even have a chance to come by and congratulate I, him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's also a fair point is, you know, we were saying yesterday how this is a big moment for Homer. Hmm. You know, he's, he's one step closer to being home. He's, you know, Butch, who I think is definitely sort of a mentor and a hero to him, and like, yeah we can do this again. It's just like old times. And, you know, it's the smile on Homer's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and the smile on Butch's that sly little Hoagie Carmichael smile. So I think <laughs> I'll bet you Homer wanted, you know, Hey, Al's here. Fred's here. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's all have a drink and celebrate. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The Sergeant covers for him though. Yeah. And it's almost like he changes. He wants to change the subject too. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because uh, it doesn't doesn't Al just say, "Oh, let, let me buy you a drink." Yeah. And or, let uh, me get you an ice cream cone. You know. Yeah. Uh, Interesting thing about the buy me a drink, and I, I did notice that throughout the film. You know, I mean, Sarge, Sergeant Al definitely has a problem, as I'm sure many of the servicemen who came back from the war probably did. And you know, just just sort of the constant early drinking and stuff, and it's uh, it's it's interesting. I don't think as many people back then would have really noticed it as much. I think that as a society, many people have just sort of become more teetotaling. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you drink and you smoke, and that's how it was back then. Yeah, and as I said yesterday, you know, in between you eat uh, steaks, medium rare, mm-hmm. and you have lots of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, way back in uh, the scene where you know, Peggy's making breakfast for uh, Fred. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just she trying to get him to make eggs. It's I'll just, you know, I'll just have coffee mm-hmm. or something like that, as I recall. Or it's just like, yeah, that's that's a great breakfast. Just mm-hmm. like four cups of coffee. Well, that was probably um, what they had during the war, too. I don't know if they would always have the best meals. You know, they had a thermos of warm coffee. That was enough for them. Right. <laughs> well, this, it's funny. This is something we talked about. Uh, as long as we're here for a moment, we talked about this at some length in uh, the Hitchcock minute. You know, you look at a scene, say a breakfast scene or a restaurant scene, and you know, the the coffee cups are slightly larger than thimbles. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was just grabbing a cup of coffee the other day, like a big gulp mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that, you know, like I don't know what I was thinking, but I asked for a medium cup, and it was like twenty ounces. I was like. Huh. No, I think I'm I actually, I guess a small is okay. Cause you know, I could do my laundry in that coffee cup. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're just like little tiny cups of coffee that they, and then they, but then they do like 72 in a row mm. of those. Or but, I wonder if it was uh, stronger then too. They didn't need as much. 
Yeah. I, I'll bet you it was weaker then. You think it was weaker? Uh, yeah. I think it was weaker just because I've, you know, I've, I've talked to some vets mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember now. I wish I'd have thought of this, but uh, there was a, there was a code system hmm. for coffee among GIs back then. Uh, if it was, it was the, the pits, they called it mud. <laughs> so like, yeah, you yeah, picture you're out in the field, you know, you, you know, you come to a, a tent where there's hot coffee. How's the coffee? Eh, it's mud. Okay. <laughs> um, and then you see, I think Joe was like mediocre, Oh. Like you know, cup of Joe. You've probably heard that one. So sure, that was sure. that was okay. Um, I think the the high grade, the equivalent to four stars, was Java. Java. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll look this up for our next episode because I mm. hate to be wrong. But yeah, uh, Mud Joe and my, Java. Mud Joe and Java. I think there was one more, but it was just yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't an official code. You didn't learn it in basic training. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was just like yeah. Again, picture if you will, you're you're out on maneuvers, mm-hmm. or you know somebody's somebody's got coffee. Hmm. Uh, go, you know, p- picture a guy making coffee in his steel helmet oh, yeah. somewhere, mm. and uh, you know how is it? Well, it's hot, yeah. <laughs> hot, hot and wet. Yeah, it's hot and wet. So, you know, so yeah, it's mud. But you know, <laughs> I mean, I think they would drink it regardless. But there was this. Uh, unofficial slang code system that I, I will research and I'll come back tomorrow and we'll, okay. we'll get it settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Al and yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Al, you know, Al's got his demons he's fighting when he mm-hmm. comes home. And, and they don't, uh, you know, I, I was kind of half expecting something to happen at the end of the film where like, you know, he acknowledges his problem and he's going to check into like a, you know, an AA type of thing, but, but no, they, they never really, never really resolve, uh, Sergeant Al's drinking, you know, he, he kind of just sort of continues to do it throughout the film. Yeah. Well, again, I think, uh, you know, a couple things come to mind. Um, cause you're right. Everybody's drinking in this movie, mm. you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the, the place where everybody goes to is, is a bar. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where everybody's going to, um, you know, I think, you know, it's kind of, it's a little the same for Homer, I think. He just keeps going to the bar. Of course, you have Butch who says you can only have beer, which I think that was a funny bit earlier on. Uh-huh. But uh, I think they're all hitting it hard, which is, I think, in the time and the place, it's very understandable. But yeah, I would, you know, one thing I haven't had a chance to do is look at the script or any earlier drafts. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Sherwood has, you know, maybe that was a plot element that, you know, was in an earlier draft and then it just didn't make it into the final cut. Or maybe in the uh, original uh, uh, story that it was all based on. But yeah, I, I feel like right here, uh, Al's trying to change the subject. He's trying to distract Homer. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't like Al very much here. Mm-hmm. You can argue that he has his reasons for what he does, but at the same time, I don't know. Is You know, I... I these minutes, uh, Al is not my favorite character. Mm. We'll say that. Well, hopefully he'll be able to redeem himself in the minutes coming. Because this is the hey. last, I think this is the last we're going to see of, of Sergeant Al for a while. Oh, then let's, let's, let's take a moment. Cause you know, we kind of jumped right into it. You've got this actor named Frederick March mm. who, uh, was the Robert De Niro of his era. 
Huh. Or maybe, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, he was considered, especially, you know, maybe the peak of his career in the 1930s. You know, he was the consummate dramatic actor. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a little about how it seems as though time has forgotten the best years of our lives in some ways. I think it's the case of Frederick March. Hmm. I think if, uh, if we were to quiz people, hey, name... Uh, 10 actors from old time Hollywood certainly would get Bogart and probably Jimmy Stewart, maybe Spencer Tracy, mm. Henry Fonda. But, you know, would you say uh, time marched on for him? Time marched on for March. Mm. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny. Uh, I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's stardom is a fickle thing. Yeah. Because, mm. I could also bring up Joel McRae, who was a huge uh, leading man, literally huge. He was a very tall guy, but he, I mean, was, you know, uh, a very popular leading man, particularly in the 30s. And Josh, you ever heard of Joel McRae? I can't say before this film I had. And that's OK. <laughs> how about real quick? How about Frederick March? Did you, were you familiar with his work? No, nope, just just Myrna Loy was really the only one that I had heard of. What a segue. You're good at this. <laughs> yes. Uh, who, who will actually be showing up in this, uh, this next part. Yeah. And speaking of Myrna Loy, yes. we, are we ready to cut to let's, the next act? Let's cut to act next. <laughs> yes. It's still minute 132. I know you're expecting those peas. They're coming. Mm-hmm. So, oh, But before we get uh, to the peas, we get to potatoes. Because that's what uh, what Millie Millie Stevenson uh, is doing. You know, notice that you know the, here's your 1940s house. She's in her housewiferly best with her dress and apron, peeling potatoes next to a mixer. And yeah, but this is a good opportunity. I can I can tell you about a mixer now. You want to hear it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I want to well, hear about that mixer. Yes. Well, did you know that the electric mixer was invented in 1908? by Herbert Johnson at the Hobart Manufacturing Company. And I say that because this is a Movies by Minute podcast and we can do this. Hey, now is that, a, have we identified that, is that an actual Hobart? I do not know. By the 40s, that would have been, you know, over 30 years of other companies being able to do it. I don't think Kitchenette or Cuisinart was big then, was it? Maybe it was a Westinghouse. A Westinghouse. Or, or did they just you know, do TVs? Hey, I don't know. I... Uh, we're we're totally in tangent, Phil here, but I you know I know Sears Electronics. You uh-huh. know they had Sears, which was huge. Sears and Roebuck. Uh, yeah, Sears and Roebuck. It's a total side thing. I've been reading a lot of Sears catalogs, oh. and I think like old Sears catalogs. It's, it's a hobby. It's weird. Did, didn't they used to uh, use that as toilet paper way back when? Quite possibly. I haven't. I've it's all been <laughs> online. But uh, I've been looking at old Sears catalogs, so you know you could you could buy like a machine gun from Sears in 1932, and just you know amazing. Hmm. But uh, their electronic products, radios, uh, guitar amplifiers, that was under the Silvertone hmm. moniker. Silvertone, that's yeah. Name. Their tools were Craftsman tools, right? That was their line of tools. You know, and these were all like contracted. They were other other makers, but hmm. they would get the label a little like trader joe's now 
Trader Joe's. <laughs> Trader Joe's. Well, that's how it started. Josh and folks, Josh and I, uh, we we love to talk Trader Joe's. Oh, yes. yes. We, we live in the perfect area where there are plenty of Trader Joe's. Mm. <laughs> we, we're going to stop now because you'll hear us just talk for 20 minutes. Have you tried the new cinnamon buns? Oh, my God. Maple cookies. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maple cookies. Okay. <laughs> Got to stop. Got to stop. Uh, try the maple cookies. Um, anyway, I would wonder if if uh, Sears had a Hobart or Sears had their own uh, home. Well, it's easy to look. If they their mm. home appliances had their own separate name, mm. they could have also been crafts, craftsmen or mm. I'll look it up instead of just speculating about it, <laughs> wasting your time because you're out there wondering where are the peas, where are the damn. Uh, yes, but but we've got to get to the peas. So so in yeah. comes Peggy, not Penny, in a daze, head down, and she feels like Mopey McMopington. Super Mopey. She's practically a zombie. Mm-hmm. I uh, and we haven't said a lot about Mr. William Wyler. Uh, and I know he's, he worked with Teresa Russell on an interesting movie to compare this to, Mrs. Miniver. Mm. Uh, there are interesting parallels. Uh, hope, hope some people have also brought up Mrs. Miniver. Uh, great movie about the wars set in England. But uh, anyway, Teresa Russell was in that. But here, yeah, as Peggy, uh, she's shell-shocked. Yeah. She, she, yeah, she's doing the long walk. And, uh, but, uh, you know, let me once again mention Greg freaking Toland. <laughs> Toland. <laughs> Toland. Because I think this is a, this, it's a subtle scene. Uh, but I think it's, you have a great collaboration between Toland and, uh, Weiler here and, and the actors. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, I just, you know, Peggy comes in. Yes, she's heard the news from Fred. Uh, Millie's wondering, oh, was anything wrong, dear? Yeah. yeah, maybe. But, you know, if you looked at 100 movies made in 1946, 99 of them would do this same scene mm. as a two-shot. Millie's at the kitchen table. Uh, Peggy comes and sits down, and it would just be the two of them. Honey, what's wrong? Oh, I got a phone call from Fred. But no, they have this... It's again, it's Toland and the deep focus. Mm. Um, we, uh, Peggy is in our faces. She's like, we can see her expression that dominates the shot. Yeah. And you know, that we, we have Myrna Loy doing some nice subtle reactions in the background. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's all about, uh, Teresa Russell's yeah. Peggy in this, and and you don't need to have like a like a cut to see the mom, you know, and and her like starting to tear up or something. I mean, just keeping that long scene, you know, with with the two of them there, I think that's that's more emotionally impactful the way that it's done. Very much, and you know, there's, uh, you know, when I think of movies from the 30s and the 40s, I think of snappy dialogue. Hmm. They're always going back and forth, but you you have a couple of beats here. Yeah. There's there's relatively little dialogue in this. I mean, mm-hmm. she waits a beat before she opens up and says, "Well, that was Fred," mm-hmm. and I guess that's over. And so, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, you know, it's a very interesting scene in this movie. Yeah. Very modern in a lot of ways. I agree. And then we proceed to the peas. And, yes. And I have to ask, uh, do you ever use this idiom like shelling peas? 
I, I will now. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar with the term, that is uh, something that means it's very easy. So sort of like, you know, it's like riding a bike or shooting fish in a barrel. Have you heard of any other similes like that? Uh, you know, the, the obvious one is peas in a pod. Yeah. Um, like yeah, which you alluded to earlier, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I, I am gonna try to use shelling peas now that I know it's it's easy. It's it's, it's shelling peas. Shelling peas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna assume. Uh, picture, if you will, a 1930s 1940s radio announcer mm-hmm. talking about the ease of which uh, the Toledo Mudheads are. are defeating their opponents it's just like <laughs> shelling peas out there oh i remember uh, one. E- easy as pie that's another one. Oh, okay well that's okay we're talking about other oh easy as pie mm-hmm. uh i'll have to get back to them i'll have some tomorrow <laughs> but if we're talking about, i was thinking just you were being very strict saying give me pea metaphors oh well, then, yeah uh, that's, and that's so, tough. yeah uh <laughs> yeah easy as pie piece of cake piece of cake right piece mm-hmm. of cake um and that's it. That's but, it. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's a very nice touch to have her sort of absentmindedly um, uh, castrating those peas. <laughs> yes. Well, the the note I had here, I, I was thinking, if you were to take this movie, and if this were one of those Zucker Abs- or Abrams films like Airplane, <laughs> so we would see this scene. We'd see Peggy doing something uh, a little more violent, perhaps. Like, maybe you'd see her tenderizing meat or, or cutting heads off of fish while he's, she's doing this. But then you would see it, like, cut to her and she would start doing something. Then you cut to the mom. Then you cut to her again and now she's progressively doing something more violent <laughs> each time. Yeah, that is, that is totally a Zucker moment. You're mm-hmm. right. Because, you know, I mean, the part of what makes the scene work is she's, I think she's trying to shrug it off or you know i think she's stunned but you know it's, it's, to, to a certain degree she's like oh it's, it's no big deal you know it's, mm-hmm. you know um but yeah you know you picture her uh with a meat tenderizer <laughs> uh breaking eggs with a you know just, <laughs> just crushing them with her hands <laughs> yeah yeah just actually crushing eggs then you yeah. see her get like walnuts and she just throws away the uh, the walnut cracker and she just crushes it yeah they're bare, <laughs> bare hands incredibly strong girl uh so uh but yeah i i, I feel bad for those peas i mm. think they're they're suffering at her hands well, that, that leads me to the question, talking about sort of uh, airplane-style movies. Was there ever a parody version of this film that was ever done? Or something, I guess, of this vein that you can think of? Uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if anybody's mentioned it, uh, there was a TV movie uh, in the 1970s that was a remake. Hmm. Uh, and it was not called The Best Years of Our Lives. And it was only like 90 minutes. Uh-huh. But it was it was they were Vietnam vets and uh, a guy named Tom Selleck played Fred. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, I don't know if any. I'll bet you Jim O'Kane. <laughs> You've probably mentioned that one, Jim. But uh, yeah, it's a kind of a hard one to do as a parody. And on one hand, you know, I could picture the old Carol Burnett show that did classic movie send ups mm. doing something like this. Um, or like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something like that. Saturday Night Live sketch. I mean, I 
I definitely see it in this moment <laughs> because you know we've we've this is a yeah you know there's certain aspects of this scene that are dated. Uh, we can get into a little more tomorrow, I think. But you know that uh, you know, honey, what's wrong? You know, that, actually, what what Millie should do is have a cup of coffee ready. Yeah, <laughs> and it just and, becomes and a commercial. And a steak and a cigarette. Yeah, you, know, you know, you need to relax. Have a Winston. Uh, best thing for you. Calm your nerves. Um, yeah, and, and a shot of Jack or something. Mm. Or old Parker. I think that was that was a popular one back then. But uh, not a Gibson. That came later, right? No. Well, yeah, a Gibson. That's another story. Uh, curse this pandemic. I've been able to get my Gibson. That uh, I made a pact with Sid Bridge a year ago. And, That's right. Uh, it, I'm it, saying it never it happened. You never did it. I, I, for the record, folks, uh, last year on. Uh, the Hitchcock minute. I'm coming clean. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, uh, I took a dare from Mr. Sid Bridge, great comic podcaster. Mm. And, and, uh, cause he, he, he thinks the Gibson is a crime against humanity. And I, and I was, my opinion was, Hey, it looks like a fun drink. And Carrie Grab Gibson loves it. Carrie Gibson, Carrie Grant loves Gibson's. <laughs> uh, and you know, Sid was aghast. You would put an onion in a good bottle of gin and let it swirl around. You're sick. Mm. And he sits it. I dare you to drink a Gibson and videotape it. Record your reaction to this drink. Well, wait and a minute, I wait said, a we, we have a good opportunity now. If we can I perhaps do... get certain guests on in future episodes, perhaps this could happen. It's been on my mind. Yes. It's been on my mind. You know, <laughs> uh, you know the 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 arrangement the arrangement yeah because we were we were grazing on grass. <laughs> you know what's embarrassing here is we're talking like it's three in the morning and we've been doing you know it's it's, it's three thirty p.m. on a Sunday. That's right. Uh, no excuse for this grammatical uh, monstrosity. But yes, anyway, Sid Bridge. Uh, the plan was I was going to go to a a good old fashioned bar here in San Francisco and buy a Gibson and, and drink it and have it recorded. Maybe perhaps our friend Pete Mummert would be there with his phone to record mm. me and the Gibson and what happened. But then there's kind of this little pandemic. Yes. That hit. So I haven't forgotten. But, but do you have the time. ingredients to make a yeah. home uh, quarantine version? I will do it at home. Nice. That is, you know, because yes, Sid, I haven't forgotten and a promise is a promise, and I am going to drink a Gibson mm. and see what happens. And if I can, I'll, I'll try to get one to Peggy because I think <laughs> she could use one. You know, I I was actually reminded about the Gibson. I was watching recently on Netflix the uh, the, the Queen's Gambit, and that is a drink that comes up quite a few times. The Gibson. I'm like, yes, I know what that is now from movies by right. Mice. <laughs> you're right. See, it's. I, were you able to enjoy the Queen's Gambit a little bit more because of that? Absolutely. Yeah, you felt, <laughs> you know, you you felt a kinship with Beth because <laughs> I yeah I, I do recall the Gibson comes up and <laughs> I felt I felt very guilty. I said to myself, Oh God, I hope Sid Bridge isn't watching this. <laughs> I'm going to get a very snarky email. <laughs> but. We can just, we can fix this. We can move on. And that's kind of what Peggy has to do yeah. or not. I don't know. Yeah. She needs to forget about this 
flyboy. Yeah, I mean, interesting that she says a line about, you know, like, oh, you know, apparently Fred said Peggy was the kind of girl who takes this sort of thing too seriously. Uh, and, you know, my, my comment here was, ouch. You know, I mean, yeah. how, how, how much more acceptable were sort of non-serious relationships in the 40s versus today? That was my sort of open-ended question. Uh, well, you know, that's a very good question. I, I, I think this is, on on some level, there's, you know, Hollywood morality and, and uh, you know, the censorship codes was the Hayes office, I think. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I think particularly from a modern perspective, it's sort of like, well, what's the big deal? Uh, and why do you need your dad to... Or I mean, she, Peggy has nothing to do with this, but you know, it's it's very Victorian yeah. that Al, I I am going to fight for the honor of my daughter <laughs> to avoid scandal, and you know, I, I can tell you from uh, you know chatting with people uh, who were alive and well in the 1940s, uh, reading books, uh, autobiographies, a great Studs Turkel book. Uh, the, there was, there was far more, um, quote unquote, living in sin than we realize. Like it wasn't maybe not as common, you know, by modern standards, but, uh, yeah, people who were not married lived together and carried on and, uh, they just probably didn't talk about it as much. No social media back then. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think to talk about it in a movie would be, Mm. you know, a taboo on some level, but you know. To show, to show, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is also, this is drama. Okay, they're setting up uh, a big third act. Yep. Um, because really, it's it's not so much about uh, Fred and Peggy, and are you know, is are they a good match? It's Jeff. Fred also has his baggage he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, is. Honestly, is is Al worried that his uh, daughter's having an affair with a married man, hmm. or is he worried that his daughter's having an affair with a soda jerk? Uh, huh. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's some stuff there, but you know, it's uh, and again, I think this is, you know, I think we'll talk more about this tomorrow, but I think this is where there are some aspects to this part of the storyline that are dated by today's standards, but I do feel like Teresa Russell coming in and just seeing that look on her face, mm-hmm. like uh, a bucket of ice water has been poured on her, that that is a very real emotion that we can relate to yeah. in, in whatever era. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think there was, to use a very antiquated term, I think there was more hanky-panky going on, and I think it was... I don't think it was embraced, but I think you could get away with it a little bit more than in the movies. Yeah. Mm, good point. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the minute. Uh, Brett, why don't you uh, tell our great audience where they can find more about uh, this podcast and others? No. No? <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing this for 120 to 132 episodes. You can find, you can find it yourself. Oh. You expect us to do everything? <laughs> No, 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 no. That's 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 wrong. Uh, it, 
because there are maybe you just found it. Did you just find us? Did you just fi- walk in on minute one thirty two? Were you doing a Google search for peas and how to shell peas, and you ended up here? Tell us about that story. But in the meantime, you, the listener, can find the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or at our main site, thebestminutes.com. We've got social media. It's available at Butch's Place. The Best Years of Our Lives. Ah, can I try that again? The Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe. It's that double L. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like an oil slick on a turn. Uh, The Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe. All we're on a thing called Facebook, uh, which I've heard about. And then there's another thing called Twitter that you may have also heard about. And uh, you can just look us up at The Best Minutes. So uh, meanwhile, look all that up and join us tomorrow, Wednesday. Wednesday. For minute 133 of The Best Years of Our Lives. Well, we will learn the fate of those peas. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.